Young and Dumb, a podcast for the young, dedicated, up-and-coming, motivated, and bold. Hear the journey of incredible individuals like you or I, who accomplish many things in their short lifetimes. Allow them to tell their story and share with you how they got to where they are today. And the best part yet is they're only just getting started. Welcome to the Young and Dumb Podcast. What is going on, everyone? We're back with Aaron Ashley Simon. If you've heard the name before, it's probably because you've seen her on the 2K Twitch show, The Post Up. She loves video games, so we had to give her the word games. Gleaming is the future of esports. It's shining right now and will only continue to grow in the coming years. Avid Gamer. Erin has been playing video games her whole life. Now, she gets to combine that with her love of communication as a show host for 2K. Made her own path. This wasn't what she intended to be doing a few years ago, but opportunities came and now she's changed from corporate to freelancer. Equality. She sees the strides towards it, but can't wait to see more, especially in the developing esports realm of the world. Specialized. She may not have realized it, but all that time gaming made her a specialist in this industry before it even became a thing. This week, we play some video games with Aaron. Get Your Grinder presents another episode of the Young and Dumb podcast with your co-hosts from the East Coast, Justin and Gary, checking in with you guys again. This week, we're popping up north to the Big Apple, and we have our friend Aaron Simon on the podcast with us today. Aaron, say what's up to the people. Hey guys, thank you guys so much for having me on board. Glad to have you on board with us. You're a public figure, you're a host of a podcast, just like ourselves. And like we mentioned a little bit before the podcast, Justin could use a little help with his 2K skills. But before we get into that, we want to take a look at your journey as a whole, and we're going to put that into a loading bar. Yeah. So from zero to 100%, where do you feel like you are right now on your loading bar? Uh, so before, you know, I started really young in this industry, in the entertainment industry, I started working in the entertainment, entertainment industry when I was 16 years old. And I felt like I progressed like a good amount leading up to, you know, my mid twenties. Um, but now I feel like the bar is restarting because the journey that I took before I was working nine to five, essentially working for different companies. Um, but now I'm an independent freelancer and contractor and I have a manager. So I'm kind of like in this very uh, in this space that I thought that I was going to be entering in like in my mid thirties. Um, but just certain, certain, uh, certain circumstances kind of like placed me in this position and I kind of, taking it forward so it's even though I'm ahead I would say like I'm pretty far ahead in the load bar I personally feel like I'm just starting all right so if you had to give yourself a number what would that number be um honestly some days it feels like a two and some days it feels like a four or five uh I feel like you know and it really depends on like 
how do I deem this loading bar, right? Am I deeming it based off of personal goals? Am I deeming it based off of the companies I work for? Am I deeming it based off the salary? I feel like when it comes to these bars, like people view how far they are ahead in, um, in life and success based off of like certain individual goals they have. Like in terms of like what I do for a living, content creation, I'm pretty far ahead. You know, I've, I've successfully created uh, video series, uh, blog websites. I've gotten like millions and 10 million views and stuff like that. And even with my own podcast, starting from scratch, you know, now we have big companies contacting and we've gone viral like three times. So in terms of that, I've been a uh, far ahead, but in terms of my personal career, like I said, it's it's like sometimes it's a two, and sometimes it's like a four or five, or sometimes six. I don't know. It's it's hard to I guess it's hard for me to put a number on just because like my life kind of restarted in the beginning of January, and I felt like the path that I was on was the path that I wanted to be on, but it it changed, and then my career path has honestly changed. <sighs> my gosh probably like three times since i uh since i graduated college so uh yeah I, it's it, uh, to be honest i don't i don't know what the number is because things constantly are changing and i feel like things are going to progress di differently next year versus the year after and versus when i hit my 30s soon so <laughs> All right. All right. So let's dive into, I want to talk about that transition from the nine mm -hmm. to five to your freelancer lifestyle that you're living now. How did that transition go? Like, was it smooth or did you have some hiccups along the way? Oh, it wasn't smooth at all. The company I worked for, they laid me off and laid a bunch of people off. And they literally laid me off the day before I had this uh, extensive hip, uh, hip surgery. Um, so I wasn't too happy about that. And, um, and it was kind of hard because for pretty much half of 2018, I couldn't really go back to full-time work because I had this extensive, uh, surgery on my hip and my femur. And so from there, you know, I had to really kind of like change my mindset and just focus more on my health because, you know, work stuff will always be there. Um, and eventually I knew I would get back in some shape or form. So I really had to focus on just like rebuilding my health and rebuilding my mindset. Um, and then I would say towards the end of 2018, probably around like September or October, um, I started to get some of these opportunities like with the NBA 2K League, the post-op. And then, you know, I've had some opportunities to do with Cheddar Sports and a few other companies have. So it was kind of like one of those things where, you know, you gotta like prepare yourself mentally and make sure that you're set. And I, I'm a firm believer that like when you keep your health and your mindset all together, like that's when things come and when you're instantly blessed. And that's kind of what happened to me. Um, and so now uh, it's it's been an interesting kind of like maneuvering situation because I have to handle things differently, you know, now I have a manager. So I myself, I'm so used to handling contracts and handling deals myself. And now I have to have her handle it on my behalf. And I have to just be the quote unquote talent, which is like the complete opposite of what I'm used to. Cause usually I'm like the producer or the person behind the content series. And I'm the one that's talking to the quote unquote talent. So having to change that has been interesting in itself too. Um, but what I can say is like, I probably, this is, I've probably been the happiest in this freelancing um, side, even though financially it's not, you know, it's not as stable as if you work for another company, but 
it's been a little bit of a peace of mind, um, be able to really do what I want to do and not feeling so limited, uh, which is something that I felt when I was working for some other companies, um, but be able to work for this company or that company or do uh, hosting, which to be honest, I never planned to be doing any TV hosting or anything like that. And that just kind of happened in itself. So, um, so it's been interesting, but like I said, it's definitely been a journey where I've been the happiest and probably have learned the most since I've been working in this industry. And I'm glad you're able to find your, your version of happiness. Um, and I think that's something that eludes many people over their lifetimes, find, finding something that they truly believe in, they truly enjoy, um, regardless of what the financials look like, they actually can go to work and say um, that I'm happy. And I feel like that's more of a, a newer concept just because mm -hmm. in um, previous generations, it was like, you know what, you work, you get that paycheck, you work your way up a, a corporate ladder, you go big corporate and- mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When it's time to retire, you collect your pension. That's really it. Um, but our generation has been so energized and um, pressured to create something out of nothing um, that we've drifted away from, you know, working for other people and going freelancing. Uh, like almost half of United States workforce is freelancing, doing their own thing, making money on their own terms, which I think is incredible. And I'm glad you were able to, again, find that version of happiness. I feel like it's so, so important that we do that at some point in our lifetime. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, listen, everyone's definition of happiness is going to be different, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that even with my situation right now, like even if I did go back to a nine to five, I think for me personally, I would still be happy because, you know, I have the podcast with my friend, which is called Grassroots Podcast. And like, I've been doing some other content pieces on the side that, you know, if I entered into a new company, I would have to let them know about it. And if they took me on and they were fine with it, I would still be happy. And I think that my happiness is, for me, it's, I think it's less about I think it's less about the fact that I am freelance and independent. I think it's more so the fact that during this time, I've been able to kind of like focus on the more important things. Because a lot of times when people go through hard times, um, I look at it as lessons. Like I know, you know, especially going through financial or even sometimes health, sometimes you got to put things into perspective. And a lot of times it's like, okay, like I know this is something that I'm going through, but maybe I should take this time to really focus on what matters and whether that's your health, whether that's your family, because you can only control the things that you can control. There's, there's always going to be things that are out of your control. And me being laid off is something that I was out of control with. So what can I focus on? I can focus on my health. I can focus on my mindset. I started meditating more and I can focus on family and also focus on getting back into some hobbies and things that I enjoy and love. And that's honestly how I ended up in the esports world and gaming world because I used to be an avid video gamer, stopped playing video games for a while, went back into it, started covering the NBA 2K League. And then from there, just everything else started coming from just a, a period of time where I thought like, oh my gosh, this could never end. But blessings started to come once I changed my perspective and just kind of focus on like the core foundational things of my happiness. My family makes me happy. My hobbies make me happy. Creating makes me happy and really focus on that and not have it be so much on like, okay, well the money or this or that. So, but if people are happy in a nine to five, I'm that's okay too. If some people are happy with being in a nine to five and I don't have any problems against that, you know, at the end of the day, you just have to 
really learn more about yourself and learn about what are you like what really drives your passion and what really drives your happiness and don't lose sight of it because that can happen in this industry in the media industry and entertainment industry yeah i couldn't agree more but i want to dive into esports you said you started playing video games when you're younger what video games did you play oh my gosh where do i even begin <laughs> um what were the big so ones Okay, so I'll start off with the first video game that I remember, right? The first video game I remember as a kid was Sonic the Hedgehog on Sega Genesis. Both my parents, my stepdad and my mom, they are computer scientists. So they never saw video games as like something that's like a waste of time. They also, they saw it as something that is, that could spark my interest in terms of my careers. Because uh, my stepdad actually created one of the first video games. Like he worked with Steve Jobs and Bill Gates and a few others. So. Um, but I played everything from like GoldenEye on N64 to Super Smash Bros. Mm -hmm. on GameCube to Gears of War and Halo on Xbox to Metal Gear Solid on PlayStation. I mean, honestly, the list goes on. I've owned pretty <laughs> much every single video game system. I've played most video games. Um, so yeah, it's it's a there's a lot. And I like different games for different reasons. I'm, I used to be like a very big online player because Growing up, I was a um, I was a D1 athlete and also was a top soccer player in New Jersey. So I really wasn't able to do much except school training and then sometimes going out with friends. So I, was, I stayed home a lot and played a lot of video games. And, you know, and even my cousin, like my, my youngest cousin, he was like in the top 50 for Guitar Hero back then or something. Um, but this was before you can, people really knew about making money on it. So those are pretty much like, some of the games that I played, but honestly, like I, I always get asked, like, what games did you play, or what what are your favorite games? And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I, it depends. Like it depends what system, what series. You know, is it is it going off of what I like in terms of storyline or functionality? Like I get really deep in, in, into it, as you can tell. <laughs> I I love that, and honestly, just talking about all those old classics got me excited I actually took a um, college course on gaming we actually studied mm -hmm. um goldeneye 007 absolutely loved it i can go on for days about this but with your your history <laughs> in gaming um such rich history tell us what it's like for you to be at the i feel like the brink of something special within esports um not only are you reporting on it and you've played video games for your entire life point Mm -hmm. your lifetime but we've reached a point in its um in its in esports journey to where it's now becoming legitimized you can make yeah. money it becomes a lifestyle where do you see the world of esports going um and just what's your thoughts on the in the move of the industry right now so it's interesting um because i started to really talk to a lot of people that have kind of been within the esports world longer um and even like each video game has its own communities it has its own pro pros and it also has its own cons and just kind of seeing how like you know uh, sometimes people from the outside they think that like when they say esports i think that like everything is the same for every single video game and it's not the case um and even if itself you know it, this industry is going to be a soon to be billion dollar industry but yet when when you look at the media side of it there are certain media publications that are paying people to write articles for ten dollars or like two cents per word which is super crazy 
Um, so there are parts that are excelling really well and there are some parts that you know still needs improvement and and i think that's the one thing that i wish doesn't happen is that these brands or people from the outside look in and sees the dollar signs and jump too quickly without setting up any foundation understanding what the community is about understanding what's really going on and are just trying to get in because you know there's some money here and there but even with that, you know, uh, I think that it's still going to be a growing industry. Um, and as you can see, there are college programs that are starting to develop it. You know, you have D1 schools. Marquette is going to be, um, according to them, they're going to be the, the first D1 power conference to implement esports team into their varsity team roster. Uh, but then there also are schools like Ohio State uh, and a few other D1 schools that have implemented esports into as a program there right so it's going to be added more because video games are a little more accessible at times than even like uh certain sports like i played soccer but soccer is becoming a super expensive sport here in the u.s and we're missing out on so many talent pools but esports all a kid needs to do is buy a playstation or xbox and train and be part of the community and maybe have travel costs but depending on where they are there are there should be enough people that play a specific video game that they themselves can go and compete in local tournaments and stuff like that and kind of build themselves up so we're definitely going to see more of that um i still there still needs to be improvement when it comes to um how the community responds to women and also even now transgender women and even uh, lgbtqia community members um like even with that like i've i've like it's even though this has been a great experience, like even I, like on the post up, have had just people come into the show via the chat section and just say like some racist stuff or some inappropriate stuff as me being a woman. And I've also had stories from other people. So it's the esports community is, it's it's going really well. There's so many great people, but even it doesn't matter that they're going to be a billion dollar industry. Like there's so many things also that need to be fixed that I hope gets fixed. But I'm very positive about it just because I just my interactions with people at like different companies and reporters and stuff like that have been super, super positive. But there is still like toxic, toxic, uh, like a toxic aspect to it and just some other things I need to get fixed. Um, so, yeah, sorry if I ramble and kind of like stutter a little bit. It's a little bit late over here. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's no problem. Like I, I completely get it. We're I think we're I think we're all same time zone. Anyway, um, but with it, the esports industry, we've had a couple people um who are had their hands on the ground with building up the esports industry. Um, one kid that we met um with in New York, he's actually um, been on the podcast named Ryan, incredible kid. He's actually building up uh, an esports league through his high school. He started this out um, on his own as a, a side project that um, for a class that turned into a huge production. Um, so we're starting to see that the rise of of esports um, as a whole in mm -hmm. as a industry. Um, but you you are right. There are a lot of things that need to be addressed. Um, tolerance is one of, is one of those things, like you mentioned. Um, I think that's one thing that we're addressing as a society as a whole. Um, in all industries, we're starting to become much more aware of it. It's not something we kind of brush off the shoulder or we kind of turn a blind eye to anymore. It's it's more prevalent, and we're starting to take more of a more of an action to it. Do I think it's where it needs to be? 
Hell no. Uh, but I do think it's starting to take those steps to get to the right place. Yeah, I hope so. I definitely hope so. I do feel, though, that there are certain individuals and community members in esports that are turning a blind eye. Because think about it, there are certain video games that are pr probably played by white kids, right? And like that's a conversation I had with someone because even with Fortnite, there are certain individuals that saw nothing wrong with Fortnite literally taking dances that would not have existed if it wasn't for certain individuals and more specifically people within black culture monetizing it without any permission. And people didn't see anything wrong about that. And, you know, of course, some of them were saying, oh, well, you can't patent a dance. That's not the point. The point is the Millie Rock would not have ever existed if it wasn't for two Millie. And you're basically utilizing his likeness and the popularity that he developed developed for that dance to make money off of it. So there are things that I feel like, and, and, and I'm not even trying to be negative with the esports community, because like I said, I mm -hmm. it's really great, but just from my personal experience, there are certain things that are being very ignored and not paid attention to. And it typically has, I've seen it as been in certain video games or certain environments that are predominantly white within esports. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure we can all attest to the Call of Duty like Modern Warfare 2 lobbies, search and destroy lobbies from back in the oh, day God. and all the things that used to oh, happen God. in that. But I think I do think esports is starting to change. And I think the biggest point that esports needs to make is holding their creators accountable. Mm -hmm. right? Whether it, mm -hmm. I, I think that's going to be the hardest thing because, I mean, I'm not sure how the whole contracting with esports works, but I've seen it happen in the FIFA community with people like Castro, who's not necessarily a pro gamer, but he's a big part of the FIFA community. So that's where the kind of blurred line kind of happens because how do you treat someone who has a big influence but isn't necessarily under your umbrella but still plays the same game you get what i'm like you get what i'm saying yeah no i agree i agree so it's going to it's going to be weird to see how that takes but where do you feel i feel oh, i feel like the biggest problem especially for the sports esports realm is that unlike fifa unlike 2k madden um i mean sorry like traditional sports where the game kind of changes every 10, 15, 20 years. Like if you look at basketball, the whole Steph Curry era of like everyone shooting three-pointers now, and it's kind of changed from like the old Shaq era, right? But with 2K, it could change literally from year to year. And some gamer, professional gamers can literally go obsolete because maybe they're not able to adapt as quickly. Mm -hmm. I think one of the biggest draws to sports is sort of that passion, that loyalty to players, to certain players, do you think that happens in esports if that loyalty can literally be gone in in a single like new generation of the game? Mm. Loyalty in terms of the fans to the video game, or like so, for instance, in the EMLS um, realm, right? Every mm -hmm. or most of the MLS teams have a, a player that plays for them under the EMLS name. What I'm thinking is in let's let's for instance take Orlando City, right? You'll get attached to a Dom Dwyer or you'll get attached to a Kaka, and that player will usually stay on that team for three, five, ten years, however it is. Sometimes mm -hmm. they're a franchise player. Whereas and the game doesn't change, so they can't really become obsolete unless they get injured or something like that. Mm -hmm. Whereas in FIFA, from FIFA 18 to FIFA 19, there are some big changes and some players might not be able to adapt as quickly. Me. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> so do you think and then like since it's only one person 
and that does that and that loyalty stays with that person yeah could it be like the fan base will disappear if that person disappears you get like it's it's a little confusing but i don't know if you understand what i'm saying no i understand what you're saying uh well one if you're at the end of the day if your fans love you and love watching you play and love your brand who you are they're gonna stick with you no matter what i mean look Chad Ochocinco is not really at his prime anymore, but people still stick around for him. Shaq no longer plays basketball, but people still stick around with him. I think the one thing is, uh, which I've noticed too, when it comes to some of the esports people, is that they're not, at least in the 2K community, is like they're not quite knowledgeable about branding and audience retaining and you know content conversions and stuff like that, which is fine because I don't expect them to. Um, but typically the people who I've noticed have made adjustments, whether it's to their content or whether it's to playing, they still able to retain their fans. It's kind of like those streamers who like play one game the entire time, build an audience, but then switch and, but then they change instead of playing, uh, Fortnite, they go play PUBG or something like that. Right. Their audience is still there. And even with like, even with real sports, right. You still are going to have to adjust top players change teams and the dynamic changes they got to adjust to those teams if people if certain uh patches come up for video games it's the same thing you're gonna have to adjust i feel like if you are competitive and if you are really good at what you do you will be able to adjust or find your way in it i feel like sometimes these patches and it pertains on certain games right i feel like with some of these patches um it kind of weeds some people out um, like I know I've heard, you know, with some of the gamers for the 2K that the the new 2K game, it's harder for shooting than it was in 2K18. And they felt like some of those adjustments and patches made it harder in terms of competition, which is what they want. But then for some people who, you know, maybe have didn't didn't like quite excel at the video game entirely in certain aspects, maybe they may not like it. I just feel like I don't know. And maybe and this is pretty much like the competitor in me. Like I never, I've never been someone who will allow something to stop me from getting what I want. If you are very competitive and that's what you, is that, if that's the scene that you want to be a part of, you want to be in big competition, then you got to learn how to adjust just like everyone else. Just like when professional athletes have to adjust, just like when they get injured and then they got to come back and adjust their play. Or, you know, when players like Michael Kidd Gilchrist go into the NBA and they have to adjust his shooting and he may start off sucking, but if you keep working at it, you'll eventually get used to it or find your way. So I don't think that that's going to be affecting people's fan base because at the end of the day like your your fans like you they're gonna follow you wherever you know i may not be a big east uh esports um content creator or anything but like i have supporters who have followed me from like the revolt days even earlier that still stick around because they like me so i don't really think that that's a big concern um but you know nothing nothing's ever gonna be perfect and I think that, you know, we can sit here and complain about the patches and we can be upset and we can voice our opinions and hopefully they change it. But if not, like, you're going to have to deal with it at the end of the day. But that makes me seem a little bit like, <laughs> I don't know, if it makes me seem like not to consider it. It's not that I'm not. It's just, I, I don't know. I just, as someone who's always been at top competitive sports, like life is never going to go your way. You just have to find a way. I completely hear you there. I mean, with FIFA 18, pretty good. FIFA 19, absolute shite. So <laughs> what I'm going to do, 
I'm gonna wait for FIFA 20. So we're gonna take, <laughs> we're gonna we've covered a large part of your journey, even though it's only two to four to six percent. You said it's changing. We've covered a lot of your journey so far. So now I want to take a step back and see if we can look into the future and see mm -hmm. what a hundred percent looks like in your eyes. Hundred percent in my eyes. Um. Honestly, I can't tell you what the 100% gonna be because it could change. But what I do know is that my 100% is I'm gonna be completely happy with whatever path I end up being on. Um, and I probably will still be, actually no, I could probably say I won't be in New York anymore. Uh, I don't think I'll be living here, you know, when I wanna have a family and stuff like that because it's a little bit hectic, but uh, I definitely know that I'm gonna be happy and I definitely know that I'm still gonna be part of the content creation process and development you know my ultimate goal is to be able to do it for multiple companies you know and even brands and stuff like that which is something that i'm starting to kind of get into with certain companies that i reached out to but uh all i can say for now is i'm just gonna be happy because like i told you guys literally my career path has changed like three four times so i didn't even expect that i was going to be doing any hosting tv hosting stuff and that's what i'm doing now so that's that's the journey right it's that's literally what everyone goes through but not enough people talk about it so that it's kind of especially when you're in college and you're like oh my god what do i do for the rest of my life once you realize everyone else is kind of in that boat even if they're 30 40 years old then it's like it calms your nerves down it lets you relax a little bit oh my gosh yeah i've told people all the time stop trying to figure out like your entire life before you're 25 because you're not you're gonna hit a point it's it's weird like I don't know how old you guys are, but for, you know, for those who are listening, um, for people who hit 25, like, it, it's just a sudden change in perspective happens. And like, you instantly will be like, oh, damn, I gotta get my shit together. I gotta get, even though like, there are some people who think that way earlier, but 25 is really a time where you're like, dang, I'm almost close to 30. Like, where am I at in my life? And where do I need to go? And a lot of times I feel like, people rush so so much to get all of life answers but you're not going to get all of life answers and things are going to change and that's why i always tell people like don't be so hard set on one specific path because you may have to take another path you may have to backtrack you may have to literally go all the way around just to get to where you are the only thing that you can do to ensure that you're going to be happy with whatever happens is pursue what you're passionate about so when you pursue what you're passionate about if you have to take a different path to get there you're still going to be happy because you're still going to be doing what you love doing it just may be in a different way you know i i love creating content but i started out as a sports journalist. Then from there, I went and did social media work. Then from there, I was a producer I, and I produced content for digital and TV. Then from there, I went into TV hosting, but I'm still creating content on my, on my own on the side. So even during that entire process, I'm still doing what I love. So I don't get upset or feel a certain way because my career adjusted. And a lot of people, uh, especially in the media industry and so forth, a lot of people have made adjustments to their career path. Like there's journalists that are now running like content series or social media strategies for big companies, but they didn't expect that to happen. But because they love storytelling so much, they're, they're happy with that path and they're okay with that path. And ultimately like, that's why 
you know, whatever people do, you can, you can set course A, you can set course B, plan A, plan B, plan C, no matter what, but life does not work that way. It's never a straight path, but as long as you're happy about it, just enjoy the ride. Exactly. You got to enjoy it. So with that, we get to move on to our favorite part, which is the deep thinking questions. So are mm -hmm. you ready? Oh, yeah. I'm ready, but I may been super deep. You gotta give me a second. Like I said, I'm a little tired, but I got you. <laughs> no worries. All right. So question number one, going off of your love of video games, mm -hmm. let's imagine you could create the video game that you've always dreamed of. What would it mm -hmm. consist of? Mm, what would my dream video game be? Huh. Let me think about that one for a little bit. My dream video, well, one, my dream video game would be one that you can kind of like immerse yourself in. Um, there's actually like a VR. Sort of. Yeah, sort of. Oh, there's this Netflix series. Okay, so there's this Netflix series. Um, and it's kind of like similar to what I envision, like um, like how I would want video games to be like in the future. So, oh my God, what is it called? It is, it's a Korean show. I like to expand and watch a lot of foreign TV shows and stuff like that. But, cause if I'm, gonna, if I'm a content creator and that's what I do for my job, I like to get inspirations from anywhere. So there's this series on Netflix and essentially like, this kid creates his video game and all you gotta do is put content, contact lenses and he utilizes this uh, uh, this town or this city or this place in Spain. And essentially like he sets it up where certain monuments and certain places in that area end up actually being levels. And like you can fight bosses, you can go into a cafe and the cafe is where you find your, like, your new weapons and stuff like that, like to have an immersive video game where you're actually like up and moving like Pokemon Go, but a little more extensive. That's what I would want for a video game um, to actually feel like I'm in it and not like someone on the outside looking in. And of course it has to be really great storytelling because that's like my biggest thing. Like that's the reason why I love Metal Gear Solid and I love that series just because of the storytelling. Um, you know, it's great and all that you have video games where you can, you know, shoot or dunk on people and stuff like that. But I really love this storytelling aspect. So I wanted to be something that's immersive and that. Um, and then also, I would want it to be a game where you actually, like, you play with your friends. I think that it's always great to have. The one thing that's really great about video games and gaming in general is the sense of community, right? Um, so if it's one of those, uh, video games where you are immersing yourselves and like going around a certain area, whether it's Spain or whatever, but having that sense of community and camaraderie where you're like, your friends can go and actually play with you in this actual video game in person, not online, but in person, I think would be even more dope. Um, so I think in terms of like what I see the dream video game, it'll be kind of like that TV show. I really need to figure out what, I forget the name of the show, but that show minus like the drama and like, you know, the not so good stuff in the show, but the video game concept that they have is kind of similar to like what I would hope video games would be later on. 
Honestly, that sounds dope. Uh, when that game drops, or if or when it does, let me know. I'd be 100% <laughs> get into that. Like, that sounds incredible. Um, so I hope that first question wasn't too much for you because we had a big one coming up for a second. I'm ready. All right. So we're going to take, we're going to pretend we're 100 years in the future. So you don't mm -hmm. have to worry about your 30s. You're almost going on your 130s. Um, you have your entire family around you, all your friends, family. It's your last day on earth. You've accomplished everything you wanted to accomplish in life. And you realize that someone brings you a book. Mm -hmm. This book happens to be your autobiography of everything you accomplished. Mm -hmm. So you decide to gather, have everyone gather around, story time. You open up to the first chapter, and it happens to be your entire life up until this very second, me and you are speaking right now. Mm -hmm. What is the title of that first chapter? What is the title of that first chapter? Uh, I would, the title of the chapter, I think, would be This Is Me. I think, especially during this entire period of time, you know, yeah, you know, the successes that I've had at such a young age, yeah, like that's a great accomplishment. But I think the most important thing leading up to this point is I think the the thing that I accomplished the most is learning myself and being comfortable in my own skin and being happy with who I am. Because there are a lot of people in life that don't even get to that point where they are completely and 100% okay with who they are, you know? And it takes a lot of, um, it takes a lot to kind of look at yourself in the mirror and understand your own flaws and unlook at your own flaws and be okay with your own flaws at the same time as you're working on it. Um, but then also understanding like, you know, this, this is a weakness, like, but I, I'm a, I'm a firm believer that your weaknesses can help strengthen you. If, as if you are aware of your weakness, it only will strengthen you more because you're going to elevate your current strengths or you're going to do things to kind of like say, okay, that's my weakness, but I know how I can work around it. So I would say like this is me because, you know, success and, and the one thing I've learned is like success in itself can be a super lonely path. Um but during this entire time, you know, uh, there were moments where like I cared so much about what others said or, you know, I hung out with people that really weren't my friends. And I think like at this point, you know, I stay true to myself. I'm very honest and straightforward and, you know, and obviously in a very respectful way, but I've, I've had to during this entire period when I started to realize who I how who I am. You know, uh, I went through a lot of loss, but I think I've gained a lot more in perspective and gained more out of life and ultimately finally became super happy. Um, because I would say from like college, like around college to maybe like 2017. So I graduated college 2014. So 2014 to 2017, I thought, I knew what true happiness is, 
but I didn't realize until maybe the end of last year and just the true, true sense of happiness is just inner peace. Just being completely okay with yourself and understanding that not everyone's gonna like you, not everyone wants to be your friend, not everyone is gonna appreciate what you bring to the table, but as long as you're okay with it, you're gonna find the right people in your life that are gonna be there for you and and, and celebrate in your successes. So I, I think that having that chapter be more focused, less about my successes, and more so about me being on this emotional and mental journey and, and getting to a point of serenity, I think would be the best way to explain this life chapter that I've got that I've gone through until now. I think I think my definition of success kind of runs along the similar lines of that is really finding myself and more of like being okay with my whether it's successes or failures and just mm -hmm. accepting them for what they are. Um, I think you'd be really, it'd be really good for you to meet up with our friend Kyle in New York. He's all about like inner self and Zen and all of that <laughs> stuff. He, he loves all that and he hosts events down in, in New York. Oh, nice. But yeah, but with that, before we ask our last question, where can people find you? Where can they listen to your podcast? Where can they see your Twitch show? Drop all that right now. Okay. All right. Got it. So you guys can find me at Aaron A. Simon, E-R-I-N, the letter A, Simon, like Simon says, S-I-M as in mother, O-N as in Nancy. That is for all of my social media platforms for Twitter, Instagram, you know, I got to be on point with my branding. Um, then you can also find the podcast that I created with my friend, Brandon Killeby H. Hall. It's called Grassroots Podcast, but Roots is spelt like routes. So R-O-U-T-E-S. Now, you hearing me on this podcast is a little bit different how I am on my podcast. You know, my podcast is basically my friends and I are talking about pop culture, news, music. So it's a it's a different kind of era because I we are essentially allowing people to see how our conversations really look like on a regular day. Um, so just to let you guys know. Um, and then also the NBA 2K League, a post-up show. Um, you can find us every other Thursday. Um, the next show is actually coming up next Thursday, when next Thursday is February 7th. So you can find it at uh, www.twitch.tv slash NBA2KLeague. Um, and also next week, you can also find me co-hosting Cheddar Sports. So I'll be there too. And it is www.twitch.tv slash cheddar sports and you can find both on social media nba 2k league cheddar sports and i think that's it i think that's it for now at least <laughs> i mean that's why i love content creators because they got all of their they know all of their stuff right off the top of the head there's no no thinking it just comes right off because they know what it is yeah, I'm also used to kind of like ending like our podcast and stuff like that. And even the shows, I'm always used to being like, oh, stay tuned for another episode here of the post up. And the next Thursday, 6 p.m. Eastern time, you can find us on all these different platforms. So I'm kind of like used to it at that point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. So final question. Yes. What is a question that you wish that we asked you? What's a question that you guys wish that you could ask me? Let me think about that. Um, hmm. I think that the best, I think the question that I think you guys should ask, because 
a lot of uh, so just from my observation right a, a lot of the questions were about my journey were about my perspective uh in terms of esports and stuff but the one thing is that you guys have never asked me about my failures and failures and failing is part of everyone's success journey and even though people don't want to talk about it as much it's super important to talk about it so i wish you guys asked me a question about failing or what was my biggest fail or what did i mess up the most throughout my career because i'm not af afraid to talk about any of that stuff well since we have a little time and we want to make sure that we get the most authentic <laughs> showing of your your journey we don't want to glamorize it we want to make sure that everyone knows that with successes come failures what was your biggest failure along your journey so far my one of my biggest failures uh which is also my strength which is really interesting that it's kind of like that juxtaposition um my biggest failure is that i i'm an i'm an empath so sometimes i feel so much for people that i ignore sometimes the signs especially when it comes to dealing with business or friendships or anything like that and i fail to ignore the red flags and those red flags end up being really bad situations because i am very sympathetic to people even though that, that is one of my greatest qualities but the sympathy and the fact that i am an empath and i can feel how other feels has clouded my judgment sometimes when it comes to business deals like i've done work and i've done business with people that in hindsight like i should not have done but because of whatever their story was or you know oh they're going through hard times or they're trying to achieve their dreams the same as me like it kind of made me not focus entirely on just some of the red flags that came up for those specific people or so from those situations i mean the good thing is like none of them were like super super horrible experiences but definitely like my biggest failure is that like i sometimes feel for people and i trust people way too easily than i should not to say that you shouldn't but i think that like sometimes people's failures spark from the fact it, sometimes people's failures spark from their own strengths um and sometimes your strengths can actually sometimes be your downfall you know you can be the most courageous and blunt person and the most blunt honest person but if you're always blunt and honest at some point you're going to miss out on opportunities because you rub someone the wrong way if you if you trust everyone you know without you know uh, a closer eye on them you're eventually at one point going to get screwed over and everyone gets screwed over at one point in their lives so i think my biggest failure is trusting certain people and just feeling for them too much to the point where like I had to learn to I guess I had to learn about this because so okay let me let me kind of word this differently so because I care too much about what people thought and I care too much about how people felt all the time that it caused me to make really bad decisions business decisions and stuff like that um but i think that when i stopped caring in a sense now that i stopped caring about people's feelings because it's important to to care about people's feelings but when i when i stopped them from really getting to me and when i 
made put on like my business face and had and people had to understand like at the end of the day like i also have to protect myself once i started doing that you know it never it's it it's not really a failure anymore and it's not really a failing uh trait or or anything like that but that was something that affected me for a very long time and even in my business uh, life or career but also even in my personal life you know just trying to be friends with people because they were in a sense broken and i wanted to fix them but i that's not my job to do that so i think that was probably like my biggest quality or failing moments in my life and i i won't even consider that like a failure i think i'm by I'm envious of people who have uh, a huge amount of empathy. I feel like that is a one quality that makes us uh, the most human, being able to um, empathize and feel for others um, in, in situations of um, either of glory and happiness and joyfulness or um, even despair where things aren't going so great. So um, mm -hmm. I, I think that's great that um, you have that, that trait stepping back a little bit it's also great that you're conscious of it um there are some people who have an, an issue where they're they may be a little too empathetic and uh, maybe fall for things that they shouldn't uh, but they're not aware of it um so not only do you see it as a strength of yours which it is um but you're also conscious of how it can um go wrong so i mean i think you're really covering yourself on both ends here and in, it's becoming less of a of a failure and really more of a trampoline to to boost you forward yeah, you know, I really had to look within myself and it's it was very uncomfortable period to do so, but I had to look at myself and say, why are, why are these things continuously happening? Why are certain things repeatedly happening? And I had to look in with within myself, not only for like the things that happen career and business wise, but even like friendship wise, relationship wise, why are certain things happening? You know, and I realized some of it stems from my childhood that I had to deal with. And then some of it just stems from like who I am and who I was raised to be and just learning that like I have to handle things a certain way and I can be sympathetic and have empathy and care for others' feelings, but I have to do it a certain way, especially when it comes to business because they're not, not everyone in this world is kind, caring, and really is not trying to screw people over. And understanding that allows me to put somewhat of a, a barrier in a sense when I'm doing business. But once I find out if you're a good human being, then I'm like, okay, cool. But I kind of have to like take it in a step-by-step -step approach the same way that I have to do it with everything in life. And um, and it's funny because my mom used to tell me all the time, like she's like, why are you always so nice to the wrong people? Stop being nice to the wrong people. Stop caring <laughs> about what people think about you. Who gives a crap about them? And I always tell people, my mom's a, my mom was a, a born and raised New Yorker and she's Puerto Rican <laughs> and she's very like loud and very straightforward and blunt. Um, and he, and so like over time, like all the stuff that she said, like I had to kind of like look at myself and be like, you know what, my mom's actually right. Even though like most of my life, I didn't want to believe she's right, but she's actually right. A hundred percent. Listen, everyone listening out there, listen to your mom. They are going to lead you down <laughs> the right path. Shout out to mom. I know you're listening. Love you. Uh, Aaron, I want to take this opportunity to extend a huge get your grind up young and dumb Thank you for coming on to the podcast. I understand it's late, but you dropped a lot of knowledge, had a great conversation, had some fun with us. Thank you <laughs> so, so much.
Yeah, yeah. Thank you guys for having me on board too. And I think what you guys are doing is really, really dope and unique. And I like how you're focusing on, you know, the young determined individuals and, you know, no matter who they are, you know, I think everyone's story can be super helpful for anyone that's trying to aspire to be great. Exactly. Everyone has a story. They just need a place to share it. And for all of you listening out there, if you want to learn just a little bit more about Aaron, hop on our website, getyourgrindup.com, or you can follow us on social, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at Get Your Grind Up. I've said it many, many times before, and I'm going to say it again. We're coming at you with the heat all 2019, so stay tuned. It's your co-host from the East Coast signing out. Always remember, we are all young and dumb. And never forget, get your grind up. See you guys soon. Peace. Peace.